I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Now let's just join together and read uh, the scripture today. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone, once again. And I would like to welcome... Everyone here and those that are streaming online, and I believe some of my friends back home are, are streaming online, and thank you so much, guys, for, for doing that. It's already about 12 midnight in the Philippines right now, so it's about 11 o'clock in the morning here in um, um, North Dakota, so it's, yeah, it's 12 midnight right now there in the Philippines. Some of my friends, I told them that I'll be preaching, so... Some of them are streaming right now, and thank you so much, guys, for doing that. Okay, so storms are inevitable, right? You don't have any control with that. I have experienced, personally, I have experienced lots of storms in my life growing up in the Philippines. Both small ones and deadly ones, that's for sure. So to give you a better idea of how it is to live in a tropical country... Here are some facts about storms in the Philippines. Approximately 20 tropical cyclones 
enter the Philippines area of responsibility every single year. And out of 20, 10 of these will be typhoons or storms, and then 5 out of 10 will be destructive ones or deadly ones. According to Time Magazine, Philippines is the most exposed country in the world to tropical storms. So, storms can also hit the Philippines any time of the year. Typhoons or storms move east to west across the country and heading north as they go. The deadliest storm was ever recorded was the typhoon Haiyan with about 145 miles per hour wind and that make it and that would make it the Philippines deadliest storm ever maybe about like 10,000 people died during this typhoon or storm back in 2013 that was really that was really bad. That's the place, uh, the, the, the place that was hit terribly by that storm was the place where John and I lived during our first year being married. We just left that place two months. I mean, two months after we left that place and that storm hit that place. Anyway, before I go on, I would like to give you a little background of this passage. Some storms, some storms in life, they're just very dangerous, very destructive, as are the storms in life. Storms in your life, storms in my life. Storms could weigh us down, break us, tear us, but at the same time, it could mold us, shape us into a person that God wanted us to be. Well, one of the miracles that Jesus did was the miracle of him walking in the water. And this miracle followed right after the miracle on the feeding of the 5,000. Okay? So now, both Mark and John, the disciples of Jesus, also told the same story. But the good thing about Matthew, because it's only him, only Matthew, that included Peter attempting to walk on the water to meet Jesus. Only him. You cannot find that from the book of Matthew, I mean of Mark, nor John. Okay, now, this story, this very story, Jesus walks on the water, this very, very story is very similar as well to the story that you can find in chapter 8 of Matthew. Okay? Very, very similar in the sense that the disciples were in a boat and then there is a sense in which Jesus is absent from the disciples because in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was sleeping in the boat. And in, in chapter 14 of Matthew, Jesus was actually on the mountaintop, praying, interceding during that night. Okay, so that's the difference. And then 
of course, the similarity of both stories, during this time, the disciples caught in a storm and were so afraid. And both stories, Jesus uses the word, you of little faith, to rebuke the disciples. And then the other, the other thing that is so similar is this. Um, the disciples are so amazed at Jesus' power. But in chapter 8, though, look at the difference here. There's a little bit different. Um, um, the difference is this. In Matthew chapter 8, the disciples put their amazement into a question, a question by saying, what kind of man is this that even, even the wind and the sea obey him? In chapter 14 of Matthew, they put it in a statement by saying, you are truly the Son of God. So that's the difference here. But we got to remember that Matthew was writing at a time when Christians are being persecuted. By this time, Peter most likely been crucified when Matthew was writing this, this gospel. So in, in Matthew chapter 14, this is different because we'll be learning about the life of Peter during this time, during this storm of, of his life. So the, the, the two storm stories address issues of danger, of fear, and of faith. Okay, so that's it. But the question is, how can storms in life be a blessing to us? What did I title this sermon, Blessing in the Storm of Life? How can we benefit from this as Christians? Who will reach us out for help and pull us out from that sinking situation of life? Who will dare to be there with us in times of darkness, in times of disaster, when we are in dread, scared, terrified, horrified, as if the world is just on our shoulders. How can I dare to say there, there are blessings in the storm of life when pain and heartache is felt, when marriages are falling apart, when the world is getting crazier, when our neighbors, our loved ones are dying, when some people all over the world are hungry and desperate, some are killed brutally because of their faith, some Christians across the world are persecuted and are having, and are having their freedom taking, taken and exercising their religion. Absolutely, these are the kind of storms that I'll be talking about this morning. My storms in life your storms in life too. Storms in life are inevitable, but Jesus is that Emmanuel, according to Matthew chapter 1. He is with us. The God is with us who was and is to come, willing to help us out. But again, why did God allow such storms to happen to people? To both good and bad. Why? Why though? 
Why do we have to go through all these storms in life? What's the purpose? Psalm 27, 13 says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Are we still confident regardless of the storms that we experience in life? Are we still confident to say, I will see the goodness of the Lord out of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord out of the storms in my life. Are we still confident? Well, let's see. Okay, here it is. Blessings in the storm of life. What are these storms for? Can these storms in life turn into blessings and somehow I or you or we can see the goodness of the Lord still? Well, it's because number one, storms in life can be God's way of reaching out to us. Storms in life can be God's way of reaching out to us and that's good reason enough why God allows storms in life. Why do we have to go through these storms in life? Because this is one of the ways of God to reaching out us. Now remember our, our passage, verses 22 to 24, the first word that we can find in the passage is the word immediately. And later on, I'm going to talk more about the word immediately, but the first word that we can read in our passage from verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountain side by himself to pray. Later that night, later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, this is the picture of the story right now. Jesus was not with the disciples. Jesus was on the mountainside praying, interceding right after the feeding of the 5,000. Okay? Now the disciples, he asked the disciples, hey, you got to cross to the other side. So the disciples were already on the boat. Okay? Now, when I studied the passage, I learned that the, that the disciples were already about like three miles away from the land, from the, from the shore. So basically, other translation, it says that they were already in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Now, when, two years ago, I think that was in 2018, that was in April, Pastor Dave and some of the um, some of the Calvary people, we went to Israel for a 10-day tour. And then this is what we have learned there. I actually, Jen and I, we experienced about how the, the, the classic, or I don't know, not classic, but the old way of catching fish. So we were on that boat, we were touring around the Sea of Galilee, and then the crew of that boat sh- showed to us how the early Christians or the, the people back 20 plus years ago, catch their fish. So it's just like a, a, circular, a circular kind of net, and then there's a way of like, when you threw it, it's just like circle. It's kind of hard to, to, to really grasp that in my mind, but I, I saw it when, when we were there on that boat. 
But the other thing that I would like to share with you this morning is that right after that um, Galilee, Sea of Galilee tour, we went straight to this museum where there was a, a boat that they discovered underneath the Sea of Galilee, I mean the, the seashore. And as far as my memory is concerned, that was like 27 feet long boat, 7.5 feet wide, and then 4 feet deep. That's the boat. So I'm telling this because I want you to have that picture in your brain how small the boat was because that was a typical boat during this time. And who knows, they said, when we were in Israel, they said that boat might be owned by one of the disciples. Who knows? But anyway, so that's the picture right there. Now, as I have told you earlier, Jesus Christ was not with the disciples on the boat. They were already in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, boom! The storm came. Waves were raging. Wind was so violent. And the disciples were in trouble. And for sure, I'm telling you this, the disciples were maybe praying, how I wish Jesus is with us. But nope, Jesus was praying. Jesus was interceding on the mountainside. He was not with them. But then, again, the, the thing that we can learn with this, it was, the Bible says in verse, 20, verse 25, talks about the darkness. Okay? It talks about the darkness. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Shortly before dawn, so it was still dark. Now, according to my study, it's, it's, it, this is about like 3 o'clock in the morning, the fourth watch, you call it the fourth watch, from 3 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock in the morning. This is the time when the storm terribly hit the boat. So it was still pretty dark. Now imagine the, there was a storm, waves are, were big, the wind was crazy, so it was super dark. So the, 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 the lesson that we can learn is this, he reaches out to us when in darkness. During this time, the disciples were experiencing darkness in their lives. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. And of course, this was right after the feeding of the 5,000. They were in a big crowd. They were exhausted. They were tired. They were tired, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they were not able to sleep during this time. This is already during the fourth night. I mean, the fourth watch. 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Between that, when this happened. Sleepless night for the disciples. They were so tired. In fact, Mark chapter 6 describes it. They were like trying so hard to keep that boat afloat. But then the good thing about this is this. Jesus reaches out to us when in darkness. Jesus immediately went there as if like this. I got this. Because the way Matthew recorded the, the story, the way Matthew, I mean Mark, recorded the story, he said clearly, Mark said, Jesus 
saw them. Jesus saw the disciples and was just like, was Jesus using this from the mountainside? Remember that the disciples, they were already in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is only like 13 miles long and 7 to 8 miles wide. It's not a super big. But even if Jesus was on the mountainside, and, the, and Mark recorded it that Jesus saw them. He saw the disciples in darkness. They were struggling. And I was like, what? But Jesus saw them. Let me see if I can see where Pastor Davis is right now. Oh, he was at the lake drinking his beer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll see. Well, I can see young people in front. But think about that. He was on the mountainside. Mark said he saw them. He saw the disciples struggling. And definitely God can see the darkness of your life. God can see darkness in your life. And not just that. Um, also, Jesus can see your disaster. He reaches out to us when in disaster. Mark chapter 6, verse 48. It's so clear. It says here, He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. He saw that. I can't just believe it. I don't know when he was already maybe walking on the water when he saw that, like pretty close to the disciples, but I don't know who knows. But the thing is, it was super dark. But that's actually the display. Jesus displayed this miraculous power that out of darkness, but even in darkness, he can see us through. That he can see your darkness, he can see your disaster. When you are in disaster, he can see it. Sometimes you may, you may think, I can't see God, I can't feel God, I can't hear God, I cannot feel his presence anymore. We always question God when we are in this kind of situation. When we are in darkness, when we are in disaster, when we are scared. We always question God. Where, God, where are you? But now I want you to take note of this, that it was actually Jesus that went out to them right away, immediately. The word immediately. When Jesus saw that the disciples were struggling, immediately Jesus went out to them. It was not them went out to Jesus. No, Jesus went out to them. And Jesus can, of course, rescue us anytime because he can see our struggles, he can see our darkness, he can see our disaster, and even when we are in dread. Number three, he reaches out to us when in dread. When in dread, what does it mean? When we are scared, when we are terrified, God can see that. I'm just going to use this as an illustration. God can see you being scared. Definitely He can see you. The disciples were terrified. The reason why they were terrified, what do you think? Is it because of the big waves? Is it because of the violent wind? No. The way I see it, they were so scared because when Jesus showed up, they think what? They think Jesus was a what? Was a ghost. And sometimes that's what we think. You are just a ghost to me. 
I can see you, but I can really feel you. You know, sometimes when you don't like that people, you're just, you're just a ghost to me. Like, that's, that's, why, that's why we think we're alone. We don't feel God. So we get scared. So like, when you really think about this story, like what? Yeah. The disciples were scared. It's normal. We get scared. It's normal. But think about this. God, this is God's way. Storms in life is God's way in reaching out us. This is His way. It's so hard sometimes to understand it. But believe me, this is one of God's way to show His power, to, demonst- to, to demonstrate His power, His love, that He indeed cares for you and for me. Even if we don't feel Him, even if we don't see Him, even if we don't hear Him. But hey, we got this. All the words of encouragement are in this. From the very mouth of the Lord. That's why storms in life can be a blessing. Did you know that an eagle knows when a storm is approaching long before it breaks? You know that, right? The eagle will fly to some high spot and wait for the winds to come. When the storm hits, it sets its wings so that the wind will pick it up and lift it high above the storm. While the storm rages below, the eagle is soaring high above it, gliding with ease. The eagle does not escape the storm. It just simply uses the storm to lift it higher and higher and higher. It rises on the winds that bring the storm into its world. When the storms of life come upon us and all of us will experience them eventually, we can rise above them by setting our minds and faith toward God. The storms do not have to overcome us, no. We can allow God to lift us above them because God can enable us to ride the winds of the storm that brings sickness, pain, tragedy, failure, and disappointments in our lives and make something good come from it. We can soar above the storm. Remember, it is not the burdens of life which weigh us down, but it is how we handle them that counts. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. What else is the reason why God allows storms in life? Number two, storms in life can be God's way of testing us out. Storms in life can be God's way of testing us out. One of those testings that, that oftentimes can be very painful and yet rewarding. I do believe that storms in life can be God's way of testing us out. 
I don't know exactly, I don't know your storms in life, but I do know my storms in life. It's only you. It's only between you and God. What storms you are experiencing right now um, in your life. Now, God's way of testing how strong our faith in Him and how we respond to such storms in life by faith. So now going back to the story, the disciples were frightened, okay? Because they thought they were seeing a ghost upon seeing Jesus. Now, but let us dig deeper, a little bit deeper into how Jesus responded to the disciples by revealing himself to them with a threefold message. Threefold message. And I also believe that testing, number one, I believe that testing reveals who Jesus is in our lives. Because his testing, his testing reveals the Savior's message. Now, look at verse 27 of our text. Look at verse 27 of our text. It says, But Jesus, again, for the second time, Jesus immediately, that the second word, the second time, the word immediately used in this passage, but Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Okay, here it is. Testing, testing reveals the Savior message, and that message and in a threefold message. Number one, take courage. Take courage. In the other translations, it says, cheer up. That means that is a message of encouragement. A message of encouragement. Cheer up. Take courage. Now, I want you to go back and let's talk about for a little bit the word immediately. Now, in figure of speech, what does it mean? The word immediately, what is that? Is that a verb? Is it a noun? Is it a what? Is it an adverb? Yes! Now the word immediately. It is an adverb in figure of speech. And adverb is, is a part of speech that provides greater description to a verb, adjective, another adverb, a phrase, a clause, or a sentence. That's the, that's the role of an adverb. Now, the word immediately is an adverb. That means to say, I was having a hard time explaining it earlier, I, I still do. I, it's so hard for me to explain that. The word immediately is just like, right away. Right away. Like, you're not wasting any millisecond at all. Like, right away. Now, I wanted to understand that when Jesus saw them, when Jesus saw the disciples struggling, when they saw them, immediately, Jesus went out to them. Immediately. So think about that in your life when sometimes we think Jesus is not here. When we think we don't feel the presence of God. When sometimes we think we are, God is so far from us, but the truth of the matter is, no, He's not. Immediately, He went out to cheer them up. He said, take courage to encourage them. No, you can do it. Storms in life are temporary. 
it will come to an end eventually. It will not stay forever. So Jesus told him, cheer up. That's the message of encouragement. A lot of people nowadays, they need our encouragement. They need our cheering up. Maybe you know of someone who is sick. Maybe you know of someone who is struggling in life. They need your encouragement. We, they need our encouragement. Now this morning, I asked the congregation to please get your phone out and then text somebody. And the first person that came to my mind to text to and encourage is Sam Carlson. I texted him. I said, I'm praying for you. College is tough. You have a new journey in your life. And right away, Sam texted me back. Thank you so much. I want you to to do that this morning. Think of someone that you can text, that you can encourage. And tell, tell that person or encourage that person by saying, Hey, you know what? I'm praying for you. Or ask that person, How can I pray for you? Because all of us, we need encouragement. Even Pastor Dave. He needs our encouragement. Our church leaders need our encouragement. Every one of us, we all need encouragement. Jesus, in fact, that's the first phrase that he he spoke to the disciples right away when they got scared. When they got scared, Jesus told them, take courage, cheer up. That's a message of encouragement. Now, the, 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 the next message or the phrase that Jesus told the disciples right away when he saw them struggling, right away he said, It is I. It is I, he said. So I call it a message of enlightenment. He enlightened the disciple. Do not be scared. Do not be terrified. It is I. Now when I study that, that word, it is I, that means I am, literally I am. What does it mean? That means I am Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am Jesus, your master, your savior. And you don't have to be scared. It's just so crazy. Like storms in life would help us know more about Jesus. Know more about God. Because sometimes storms reveals Jesus himself. Through our storms in life, through our storms in life, we can know God better and better. The I am. It is I, Jesus said. A message of enlightenment. A message of enlightenment. We learn more about Jesus. We learn more about God when we go through storms in life. The last phrase that he said Immediately, when he saw the crowd terrified, he said, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There is a a negative connotation, but a positive empowerment. Do not is negative. But, he said, do not be afraid. That's a message of empowerment. He empowered the disciples. Do not be afraid because it is I, the I am. I am your Savior. I am here right now. I am here to help you out. I am here to rescue you from this storm. I am Jesus. So he empowered them by saying, do not 
be afraid. I, I like that. Do not be afraid. The phrase do not be afraid was the angel used it to encourage the shepherds watching during the night. Do not be afraid. The angel also used the phrase to the, to the ladies when they found out that Jesus was no longer inside of the tomb. The angel used them. I mean, the, the angel used that phrase. Do not be afraid. And Jesus, once again, is using this to his disciples. Do not be afraid. The, the good thing about this, because Jesus was trying to reassure the disciples that they don't have to be scared, that they don't have to be scared. The reason why is this. It is I. It is I. Your master. So I, 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 I love that. And then the second thing that we can learn from this is from verses 28 to 31 of our passage that testing, his testing refines the believer's faith. Not only reveals the, the, the Savior's message, but also refines the believer's faith. It could refine your faith. It could refine my faith. And that's the reason why God allow all these storms in life. Oh, I just, I just love how Peter responded to this. Okay? Now, I want you to remember, when Jesus said, it is I, he was telling them that I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am your master. I am your savior. But during this time, Peter is just so crazy. But during this time, Peter, being the disciple, he's the slave. He's the servant of Jesus Christ, and Jesus is the master. But during this time, if you have noticed the story, it goes like this. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, if it is really you, I want you to command me to come to you. What did Jesus say, the master? What did he say? One word. Come. So look at this. Look at this. Between a slave and a master. But during this time, the slave was the one asking the master to do something. It should be a different way. But because of the doubt of Peter, he did it. He asked Jesus, Lord, if it is really you, command me to come to you. But you can see the, 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 the humbleness or the servanthood of Peter in the context too. Because he did not he did not take any single step before Jesus told him by saying, come. He waited upon the Lord. That's the goodness. That, that's the, that's the, the good thing about Peter. He waited. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. And then Jesus said, come. And he did. Now, what can we learn from that story? He did walk on the water. He did. Okay? He did walk on the water. And I'm going to read this. Really, really good. Then, and then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But, verse 30, but when he saw 
when he saw the wind. He was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Can you see your, can you see your picture in that story? That many times of our lives, we ask God, Lord, I want to do this. And then God said, okay, do it. I want you to do it. And then we started, we're so good. From the very beginning, we're so good. We're doing so well. And all of a sudden, we, 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 we take our eyes off from Jesus. And then what happened? We started sinking. Peter was super duper close to Jesus. Why did they say that? Because the Bible tells us so. Jesus, when, when, when Peter was sinking, Jesus reached him out right away, immediately. According to verse 31, he said, immediately Jesus reached out to his hand and caught him. He was super close. This is like a walk of faith. This is our journey with Jesus as well. We're super close in our our walk with that. We're doing so well. We're doing so well. Step by step toward Jesus. We have a very nice um, relation with Jesus. And all of a sudden, bam! Because maybe we close our eyes and we're out of focus. And then all of a sudden, we're sinking little by little. Exactly like Peter. But again, the word immediately, immediately, Jesus reached out to Peter and pulled him up. That's our life right there. That's, that's the that's a, a whole picture of a Christian life. Many times that we fail, right? And we, we're still going to fail. But the good thing is this, the, the, the assurance that we have in Jesus that immediately, immediately, I like that word, immediately, he reached out to Peter. And God said, I mean, Jesus said, you of little faith. You may fail in your walk with God. We're super close. Super duper close. And then we stumble and, 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 and fell on our knees. Again, remember the word immediately. Immediately. Remind yourself. God is just always there. That reminds me that He is indeed the Emmanuel, God with us. Regardless how dark it is, he can see you. He can see your struggles. And for sure he knows how strong or how big your faith is. A story was told me several years ago when I was going through a trial in my own personal life. The story was about a very young tree. The young tree faced many storms through its young life. A powerful winds, torrential rains, famine, ice, and snow would lie across its branches. At times, the young tree questioned its maker, asking, Why have you let so many storms come into my life? His maker whispered, You will understand one day. Stand firm. You will make it through the storms of life. The challenges will pass. Keep this in mind. 
the, th the, the tree questioned his master again. If I go through one more winter, the snow will surely break my branches. If I face any more powerful wind, I will surely be uprooted and moved away. His maker whispered, Stand strong. Dig your roots deep into the soil. You will understand someday. Somehow the young tree kept the positive thoughts in his mind and managed to survive and make it through even the toughest of storms. Somehow, even in the toughest of times, when the things it went through should have broken it down, it found a way to stand firm even through the worst of storms. As the young tree grew taller, stronger, and matured, the tree realized the storms of life had made it stronger. That's the essence of storms in life. It's a blessing. It is a blessing in disguise, pretty much. I know all of us, we all falter in our faith. We are not good enough, strong enough, tough enough, big enough, and so was Peter. Right? But let us all remind ourselves that testing in life refines us, molds us, shapes us into a person that God wanted us to be. Here is what Peter did when his faith faltered. He cried out to the Lord saying, Lord, save me. That's the key right here. If we falter, if we fail, very easy. Call on the name of the Lord, just like what Peter did. Lord, save me. I cannot do it by myself. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. This is a great reminder that, tough, that, that though we may think that we are already at the end of our hope, but never at the end of our... I mean, even if we think we're already at the end of our rope, but never ever at the end of our hope. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. He will never leave us or abandon us. That's his promise. The last truth that we can find about the storms in life is this. Storms in life can be God's way of proving us out. God's way of proving us out. When they got up into the boat, the wind ceased. Those who were in the, in the boat came and worshipped him saying, You are truly the Son of God. Right away. I just don't understand that, but that's how, that's, that's how it is. Right away. When they, got, when, they, when they climbed into the boat, the wind ceased, or the wind died down. Right away. So Jesus was proving to them that, hey, I am in control. My power is in control, in, in overall dominion. I can control the wind. I can control the storm. I am in total control of your life as well. 
right away. They climbed back into the boat. The wind ceased. The wind died down. So right away when you have Jesus in your life, like if you just ask, if you just let Jesus help you out, it could die down. Storms are temporary. They are not forever. Eventually, the storms in your life will die down. Eventually, the storms in your life will come to an end. It's not forever. And look at this. Look at that. Jesus is just like proving to them that, hey, I am in total control of your life. I am in total control even in the darkness, in the disaster of your life. I am in total control. That's my power right there. Proving his power and over, over all dominion. And number two, proving his lordship in faithful adoration. Now in response, what did the disciple what did the, what did the disciples do? Upon seeing the power of God, all of them, they worship. They were on their knees. They worship the Lord. Very, very clear. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are, truly, you are the Son of God. They acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus over their lives. And in return, what did they do? They worship the Lord right there. So this is the essence of Storms in life, this is the essence, is that God allows all those storms in life. It's because He wanted also to display His power. And right after that, when we see and experience the power of God in our lives, that in return, all of us will worship Him. That all of us will throw our lives at His feet and say, Lord, my life is yours. My life is yours. You are the Lord of my life. I don't know what your storms in life are. I don't know either your I don't know either your raging sea or your violent wind that are tossing you around creating huge damage in your life and walk with God. As we all face our own storms in life, we might lose hope, might have not big enough faith to carry us through. It might be very painful. Always remember that the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the, to the mountains. Where does my help come from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The maker of heaven and earth is with us. That is where our help comes from. That is exactly what Peter did. He asked the Lord for help, saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. There is a song entitled The Blessings by Laura Story. 
You guys know this song? The Blessings by Laura Story? This is a really nice song. And um, our brother and sister couple, Russell and Cindy, will be singing that to us today. That song. And that's one of my favorite songs. And Jenna is tired of me listening to that song because if I listen to that song, I can listen to that song all day long. Over and over and over and over and over and over. Like I can listen to that song, just one song in one day. And one of the songs is that song. The Blessings by Laura Story. The reason why, because I can really relate to that song. I can really relate to that song. All of us, we we go through a lot of storms in our lives. And sometimes we question God in our lives. So I would like to read um, part of it, the lyrics of that song that says, Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if? A thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you are near. What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? What if my greatest disappointment or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst that this world cannot satisfy? What if trials of this life the rain, the storms, the hardest nights are your mercies in disguise. Let's, let's listen to that song. I'm so happy that they let me, like, I mean, that they want to, I mean, that they're willing to, to sing that song because that's like, my one of my favorite songs in my christian in my christian life it's 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 really amazing like it 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 refreshes my my commitment to the lord because i know for you guys like sometimes we have these doubts in our mind as if this is not enough you know the, the lyrics of the song as if everything is too good if i'm a christian but no it's not Storms are inevitable. They're always there. It's all up to us how we respond to it. And that song reminds me of the goodness and the faithfulness of God, no matter what. As we go home, as we go out from this place, let us all remind ourselves. Storms are inevitable, but Jesus is the Emmanuel, the God with us. So encourage yourself as I face the storms of my life. I am not alone. God is with me. Always remember this. During your darkness, He can see you. You may not be able to see him, but he can see you without this. He can feel you. He can see your struggles in life. 
your disaster, your darkness, even if when you are, even when you are scared, God knows it. God bless you all, and thank you so much, guys, for worshiping with us. And we are looking forward to see you next week. God bless you, and have a great weekend.